0: Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here uh, again today with our good friend Dick Foth as we jump into back channel of thoth and then we're going to go on to our interview with Greg and Shalem Ford where we discuss um, marriage and some of the adventures that we have in marriage and the ministry. Dick, so glad to be with you again here today.
1: Wonderful to see your face even though those other people can't see you, and there you are in a whole different country. I love it.
0: A whole different country, and uh, they did let a West Virginian in here and uh, into Nairobi. So um, good, good to be here today, Dick. I got some questions sent in for you today. Number one is, what are some habits or practices that you have seen work in creating a healthy marriage life in ministry? And and then kind of the inverse they added on was, what are some things that what some habits that do not work um, in uh, marriage life in ministry?
1: Well, if yeah. If I could take two steps back and look at the larger um, context when we put marriage and ministry in the same phrase or same sentence, yeah, that's a very interesting combination. Some people would say, "Well, that's redundancy," and some people would say, "Well, that's an oxymoron." Apparently, can because of how my marriage is going or how my ministry is going. Right? <laughs> and, um, it's it's interesting that. Um, we do a thing once in a while, or have, haven't in the past year, a thing called both and Friends, where we will invite three or four younger uh, leaders to come and just hang out for a couple of days in Colorado, talk about whatever they want, so forth. And I get to ask questions, and they do. And, and the, almost always, the first question, if it's pastors, because this is both pastors, business leaders,
2: yeah.
1: almost always the first question that comes up is, how do you handle the tension between hmm. marriage and ministry?
0: Yeah,
1: And I just say, well, Um, I think it's how you view it. And it took me a while to figure this out. Ruth and I are coming up on 58 years here where she's put up with me.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. And uh, marriage is not oppositional to ministry. I need to understand that marriage is the first line of my ministry. Hmm. If that doesn't work, then the ministry takes a hit in the chops. So when we talk about investment of time and energy, if homeworks, everything else is in perspective. If it doesn't, then we sort of lead separate lives. And all of us who have been in mission and ministry get that feeling. I mean, we, we've known that. Some of us are experiencing that right now. I have a book that I keep in my library that's The Story of David Livingston. And from a negative perspective, this is the challenge. He is, that, he is that pioneer, explorer, colonialist guy that, you know, we tout. And he's, his body is in Westminster Abbey and his heart is near Chitambo's village in what is now, I think, Zimbabwe. I think. Uh, anyway, that, yeah. do I yeah. have that right? I'm pretty sure. By, by the Zambezi River or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's a piece of his story where his son – was sent back, was raised by ants in Scotland. And the son, 18 years old, came to find his dad and had made arrangements to meet, I think in Maputo, in in that area. Mozambique, yep. Mozambique, yeah. But his father had gone up the river and was gone. And the boy, discouraged, came back, enlisted in the Union Army, I think out of Vermont or New Hampshire, and his, his father's body is in Westminster Abbey and his son's body is in an unmarked grave. So it, when it when it comes to when it comes to marriage and ministry, one of the habits that you have to have is where you prioritize your marriage. And I can tell what you prioritize if I see your checkbook or your visa bill. <laughs> And your, and your calendar. You can yeah. tell me whatever you want about your values. Show me your calendar and show me your visa bill, and I'll tell you what's important to you. Wow. And I remember, I remember the day I went into my study. This is years ago when I was a young, blowing and going, young church planter. Things were going great, and we had these four little kids. And, and I walked in. My secretary had an appointment at 4 o'clock on my calendar, and it said Ruth Foth. And she because we hadn't spent time together. She made an appointment <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, Oh boy, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I, you know, and we walked in grinning and took me out and bought me a suit. Yeah. And you know, when your wife does stuff like that, you're, you're beholden to her for the next decade. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, how that works. But my moment in time, I walked in one day and, you know, Things were going great at the church, and I'm up at 6 in the morning and had evening meetings, so I'm gone most of the time. She's raising these four children, bringing them up. I walked in one day, and she said, Dick, I have a question for you. And Ruth, is very quiet, but she yeah. just asked this question. How come people you barely know get your prime time? Wow. And the kids and I get the leftovers. Wow. And I'm going, My, like, do you have another question? <laughs> <laughs> it was just the right question. So, yeah. um, I think you, anyway, I think that's the heart of it. The habit is if there's one habit, put your spouse and your family first, whatever that means for you. Yeah. And talk about that. Yeah. How do you feel yeah. about that? Is Because the feeling is the piece that stimulates the action, right? But yeah. I believe it. Anyway. For sure. For sure. That's that's Good. my elongated answer as always.
0: No, phenomenal. Dick, second question along um, marriage lines is, if you're, it would be your wife or her husband, you don't have a husband, but you have a wife, comes under criticism okay. by someone in the church or team or in the ministry, how did, how did you respond to that? And how, what advice would you give to somebody that maybe is in that situation?
1: Well, I think that, I think the difference might be, or the, or the um, structure might be, it, is the criticism direct, or did somebody criticize you to somebody else, which is how it usually works. I don't have the guts to come face to face. Right. <laughs> you know, I used to stand in the back of the sanctuary sometimes, and people would come out, most people were very kind loved that, you know, that praise <laughs> you said, that was really terrific. But somebody once in a while would come and say, now, Pastor, uh, what I'm going to say to you, I'm saying in love which means when you get <laughs> the earth, that's, that's the tea up yeah. to your dead meat. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think Matthew 18 works. I think that if it's a criticism directly, you need face to face. I think you need to be able to ask questions about what that is. I think as a husband in a, in a ministry situation, a lot of the criticisms and I don't know that I got a ton, but you get enough. Yeah. Um, I didn't share with Ruth because hmm. she's raising his little kids. She's trying to take care of me. She's doing, and she doesn't need to worry about it. And besides she's probably going to get madder than I will just because you're going to defend, you're going to go the, the quiet person becomes a she tiger in that situation. <laughs> so, but especially if it's something that continues, I think you have responsibility as a leader yeah. to try to get that, in the bud, because what happens is, I think the spouse tends to feel like they should go and punch somebody out in the name of the Lord. I think that's <laughs> what they tend to do. But I think two things need to happen one is you need to know what to share and what not to share, because some stuff just needs to be water off a duck's back. But I also think in mission and ministry, we need to work at not being offendable. Hmm. It's hard. It's hard for me because I'm a guy who likes to be liked. Yeah. I have friends. You can say they're an idiot and, and they'll say, are you just finding that out? What <laughs> are you going to up So I think part of it, part of it has to do with the fact of being criticized. Yeah. And the other has to do with how much time do I want to spend responding to that? Because yeah. Jesus said, you know, if you follow me. You're going to be persecuted and criticized. And, what you find out in the church work and missions work, it doesn't come from some pagan guy way out there. It comes from the guys who are close in. Yeah. That's why it's a challenge. Yeah. And that's why I think I mean, that's
0: I mean, why that's why it hurts so much. Yeah. God hurts well dick we appreciate you being with us again today on back channel of both we're going to move into our interview with Greg and Shaylen Ford who pastor one church in Columbus Ohio and um, have a great time with them learning from them and their wisdom and insight um, in in life and family and ministry and also a, a very interesting conversation we have with Shaylin about um, raising a a child that has um, special needs in in ministry and what that looks like and the challenges they faced and how God has brought them um, and encouraged them in this time. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with Greg Ford and today his wife Shaylin is with us. And I'm so excited to have them both here with us as we um, continue this series discussing marriage and um, how we can grow and, and healthy marriage on in life and mission. Greg and Shaylin, welcome back. And um would you just want to share a little bit, Greg? I know we got to know you last time, but Shailen, um, you weren't on the podcast last time. Would you mind just taking a few minutes just to share a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having us. I'm I'm really honored to be here. And um, it, for me, uh, so Greg and I have been married about 17 years now. It'll be 17 years in March. Um, we have three kids Uh, our daughter Ella is 12 going on you know 55 she's already planning (laughs) her path to the presidency so she's a fun person to be around and then we have two boys who are uh, both on the autism spectrum they are nine and almost six and they they keep us on our toes at all times Um, yesterday for example was a snow day and our youngest fell in a koi pond so um, that is is a day in the life I help out as uh, a lot at the church, you know, as much as family things allow, and then I also freelance as a hair and makeup artist and and work uh, behind the scenes that way. So, um, kind of wherever I am, I guess I I typically work behind the scenes unless you pull me out somewhere. But that's about it.
0: (laughs) Good deal, Greg. How did you and Shaylin meet?
3: Yeah, we actually um, met kind of through a mutual friend. So I was. working actually at a summer camp in Ohio. And um, she was coming through, actually she was working with Chi Alpha uh, in a college ministry mm-hmm. and was dropping students off at the camp. And my friend was driving the old 15 passenger van. Come on, I you remember <laughs> that. And uh, that was before like the insurance companies just shut those things down. But uh, right. anyway, he called me over and uh, I looked past him and saw her and I was pretty blown away. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask about her later. And uh, when he came back to pick the students up, I'm like, man, you need to introduce me to her, you know. So, he he told me he wasn't going to. So, actually, I believed him and I figured, you know, it was never going to happen. And long story short, he introduced us and, um, and we got married a little while later.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're so excited, um, or at least I'm so excited to be with you here today. And one of the first questions I wanted to ask um, you both is, who is who is someone that you've learned about life and marriage from, um, and probably someone that's really impacted your marriage?
3: Yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. I mean, I I think um, our parents. Uh, hmm. I would say both sets of parents, and and um, and I think you know you can learn from the good and the bad, right? So sure. I think like it taking it's kind of like ministry, right? You work with leaders, and you you take good things away, and you take yeah. something away. You're like, mm, I don't know if I want to do it like that, you know. Hmm. And, and I think in our, both of our parents' sets of parents are, are wonderful people, um, and they're humans, and you get that really close look at them, and, um, and you come away and go, man, I want to make sure we, we duplicate this. We've had a lot of very intentional conversations about what, what do we want to duplicate from our upbringing, and then what are the things that we don't, you know, and we, we don't want to live our whole life off of a vision of what not to be, we don't want to be this, that, and that. But I think evaluating those experiences, um, so for me, that, that's probably the biggest
2: Yeah, I I agree. I don't know that I can say any one thing. I can't just, you know, point to one book that was like a game changer or, you know, a, a series or something. But I think you just, if you're intentional about keeping your eyes open, you, you learn from all around you. You learn from your own personal past. You learn from watching good marriages that you see around you and asking them questions and just going like, what, what has helped you guys get to where you are? Um, and just, yeah, leaning all the way around, um, constantly choosing to be a student of marriage, I think is probably more the intention than, uh, than just like any one particular thing.
0: So you both lead on a high level. And, um, so what I'm hearing you say, even the leaders that lead on a high level can still be inquisitive and ask others about how to grow in their marriage. Would that be correct?
3: Yeah, I, I got to tell actually, I got to tell you a great story about a missionary that impacted us big time. So we, we actually, we were going through this season where we were, we were arguing about really petty things. And, and usually when that happens, it's, there's something beneath the surface, right? You're like, we're, we're petty, but we're not this petty, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, we're like, what, we're like, what are we, what are we actually arguing about? So we, we had this uh, time where we basically said, hey, I feel like we both had some un, unmet expectations, so why don't you go articulate? You know, we, we have this line we use with each other, a, a problem that's undefined is undefeated. If you don't know why you're fighting, really, you can't, you can't actually solve the problem. So we, we kind of went to our corners and we, we made lists of things that were um, unmet expectations. And um, mine, you know, it was kind of bullet pointed or whatever. She came back. She's like, I don't know. I'm having a hard time with this. She goes, I honestly feel like I feel like I'm not being cherished. And, and it kind of caught me off guard because I personally felt like I was cherishing her, but I didn't want to get defensive. So I was thankful that she told me that, right? right? And so I was like, hey, who is somebody that you see their marriage? And when you see it, you think, wow, he really cherishes her. Because I, yeah. I needed a paradigm. Like it's it's the quantitative stuff's easy to fix. Like, yeah. hey, how many times you want me home for dinner type thing? But when it's like qualitative, like I don't feel yeah. embarrassed. I'm like, I need some kind of. Yeah. Picture okay for sure, and, and and I wanted to open myself up too because I didn't want her to have to come and go. Why don't you be more like Aaron, you know? And, it's, <laughs> you know, and then it's like you feel defensive. So I was like, no, I, I want to know, like, because I'm not seeing it the same way. For sure, and she said, John Easter. Hmm. I don't know who John Easter yeah, is. Yeah, for sure.
0: John and okay? Cheryl know him well.
3: John and Cheryl. He's like, she's like, you know, I just love the way that like they interact, and she's like, the way that John is like so gracious and. Like the way he interacts, and you know they're from Mississippi. You know they're from the South. You know to me, I'm like that's how Southern people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm like it's a Southern like trait. Like I didn't think of it as cherishing, but like it helped me to see that through her eyes. And so I'm all the time WWJD? What would John do? <laughs> and, and, and I'm learning to interact that way. But like they they had a big impact on us. You know we, we spent some time with them and and just seeing like their marriage was even just you know for a couple weeks like yeah. was. Was big for us,
0: good deal. I, I
2: think what you said a minute ago is really valuable. Um, about leading on a high level, I don't think you can lead on a high level if you don't continue to be a student hmm. your entire life, yeah. And, and making you know, being observant and putting yourself in the position of the learner all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's good. Once, once you think you're past that, you're not qualified. <laughs> so
0: I agree a hundred percent, but I, I think the struggle is sometimes is as we grow in leadership, we we are the people that we interact with becomes more narrow. At least that's been my experience, and so I, I, that's when you both said that I picked up on that because you're leading at a high level, you're influencing you have a large influence, but I think it, um, affirms, it gives courage. It gives, it models for others to know, Hey, they're leading a high level and they're still learning and they're willing to ask and learn from others. And I I think not give permissions the wrong word, but I think it gives us a model, which I think is, is super valuable as, you know, as we move forward in in marriage. What's, what's one question. Uh, what do you, what's something you wish you would have known before you got married that you know now?
3: I mean, I can always go, but I go for it.
2: Okay.
3: if you got one, all right. I, honestly, the Enneagram, That's
2: or, actual, good or
3: like never. like like person and personality tests, right? So right. I I never took a disc yeah. or a Myers Briggs or an Enneagram. I I never took any of that until after we got married. For sure. So it, it was like actually, it might have been when we came to plant the church and like Sam Farina took us through the disc or whatever, mm-hmm. and we're like. I'm like, oh my gosh, like these people know, you know, they know about me. <laughs> and I'm reading through like these things like, hey, you're, you know, I'm a DI on the disc, I'm an 8 on the Enneagram. And when they start describing these things, you're like, this is exactly how I think. So I think that self-awareness earlier would have helped me yeah. understand myself, understand why I feel certain things or why I do certain things. And then knowing her as well, like we, now it's just part of our common uh, conversations around these different personality types and it, and it helps you like get to the root of it and I would say understanding her better as to what could why she's doing things she's doing or why she's feeling things she's feeling yeah it's good
2: I I actually was going to say the same thing I I think for for me personally you know I I took a lot of the other personality testing things and never really felt like anything fully nailed it until I took the Enneagram yeah and then that has been super eye-opening and has led to some very productive conversations for the two of us, you know, where we would maybe misread things that the other person was doing because we were coming at things from such totally different perspectives. And it's like, you know, if, if one person goes quiet in a certain yeah. situation, it's not because they're checking out, it's actually because they're processing or, yeah. you know, and, um, and, and so it was just very, very helpful. I mean, I remember the, The first time that we sat down and read out loud about some of the common interactions we do in our two numbers, we were laughing so hard we were crying because, well, that's everything. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, super, super helpful.
0: I think the struggle for me is I thought I was more unique than that, that somebody (laughs) could ask me so many questions, then they like nail me and so on. (laughs) And uh, Heather and I, my wife and I, we went through those. I said, man, it it makes me realize I'm not that special.
3: I thought I was a special (laughs) person. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what's up? Like, this person's never seen me and they just talked about my life 10 years. Exactly.
0: And anyway, but it's, I agree. It's been super helpful for both of us. And then, um, yeah. It's just to learn from each other. And then it also helps me kind of lead into our next question when it comes to conflict, is when we walk into conflict to know the different, look at the different positions. So, how have you both um, grown in learning to engage in healthy conflict? Um, do one of you avoid conflict or you both love conflict? I know me, uh, conflict's not super high on my l- things I love to do. But anyway, wh- what have you learned about marriage and in conflict and navigating it?
2: Yeah. Uh, for us, I am the one that, I I mean, I'll do conflict, but it's definitely not my favorite. Like I would rather do five other things first. Um, he's a little more willing to walk into it. Um, and, and he's really good at conflict Whereas it, it's a, it's a struggle for me to, to hang in there. I've, I'm learning how to get better at it, but, uh, but it's a little tougher for me to fully engage. I tend to want to, back away from it a little bit more. Um, I think one of the biggest things is, well, a couple things. Number one is when you come into the argument, coming into it with the mindset that the problem is the problem, your spouse is not the problem, right? Which that's good. That's really, it sounds so simple, but it's kind of hard to do, right? (laughs) And so if I walk into it going, you are not the issue. Yeah something else is the issue. And it's, it's maybe not bringing out the best in that person, or maybe it's not bringing out the best in me, but like, let's tackle the actual problem. Um, and then I I think also, um, the other one that I, I was really thinking about was, um, really making sure that you understand what the actual problem is. So, so a lot of times people tend to think that the thing on the surface, whether it's, um, say you're fighting about money, right? You're not really fighting about money. You're probably arguing more about security, respect, you know, things like that. Um, so a lot of times what seems to be the issue on the top surface level is really more just kind of a, a symptom of the real problem and it's something else underneath. And so if you're, if you're both coming to the table with that level of honesty yeah. uh, of what is really bothering you in that scenario, then then you're going to actually solve the problem. You know, coming up with, uh, back to the money argument, you know, you may agree to a certain budget, uh, and to a certain degree that will solve the problem, right? But not really, not if you aren't addressing the issues underneath that you both have with money, whether it's from the family situation that you grew up in and, or you're coming from it, you know, two completely different mindsets. Um, until you get to those things underneath, it's going to keep bubbling up over and over and over in some form.
3: Yeah, you know, honestly, Aaron, I, I think um, conflict is the secret sauce of great marriages, great organizations. You know, mm-hmm. But when I say it, like the word conflict has such a negative connotation. Like if right. if, if I was to come to you and go, like, Aaron, you know I think we need to have a conflict. You may immediately, you know, stomach sinks. You're like, uh, you know, it's ruined your day. And I think like totally changing the paradigm of like conflict being this, bare knuckle brawl versus this is how we're going to problem solve yeah. and do that is marriage. That is leadership. That is parenting. It's problem solving because within those problems, we get to the other side. It's it, it, when it's solved, it opens up a whole new opportunity. So I think coming to it with that paradigm and then developing better ways of communicating and going, you know, so, like a lot of the, the most important problems to solve take a long time to solve because That's if it true. was easy to solve, it would already have been solved. <laughs> you, you'd, have done it, you'd have done it easy. But like, like sure. the one I mentioned earlier about helping Shailen feel cherished, like that took us a while to, to, to unearth that. Like even yeah. to get to that, that place, like what am I feeling, you know, right now? And, and like so getting to that, like especially I think what happens, you know, especially if we don't have a high tolerance for, for conflict – we argue once, we argue twice, we argue three times, then we just decide to live with it. But it just sits there. It keeps festering. Yeah. That happens in the organization, in the in the church, on the team, in the family. And I just think like if we'll keep like hammering away at it, sometimes it feels like we're circling the problem forever. But eventually we break through this. And like Shaylin said, we're, we're attacking the problem, not the person. Yeah. This isn't, I mean, it's going to feel personal at times because we're humans and we're in it. But I think going like, let's do our best to put our guards down, not make it a competition yeah, as much good. as we are trying to solve a problem together. And it's going to take us being honest. And I think also being, this is a huge thing that we've learned in the process is when it comes to like conflict, being proactive instead of reactive, hmm. right? If, if 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 the conflicts only emerge when we're so agitated, that next thing you know, we're, we're, we're barking at each other. Well, it's right. just not going to be productive, right? right? If we're doing it when we're both tired, if we're doing it when we are both so frustrated, it's just, you're not going to get anywhere. It's just going to yeah. be a stalemate versus yeah. going, you know what, let's be proactive. Like, wh- like, what are the systems and processes, so to speak, in your marriage where you're like, when do we bring stuff up yeah. in a way that we're not fatigued, we're not you know frustrated, that we can go, what do we what, what do we need to work on? maybe it's goal setting for season like we we put some rhythms in our life around hey let's talk about you know things when we're not upset about
0: yeah it's good that's good so to to pass up i want to explore a little bit do you how do you express to some, you just come out straight out and say it. I'm not frustrated with you. I'm frustrated with this situation. Do you verbalize that so that it's out in the open or how do you communicate that? And what advice? Cause that's, that's one key point that you highlighted there that we're not, it's not a conflict. It's not personal against you. It's an issue. And how, how do you work through that? So the other person knows that, and it's not an assumption that they know that I'm not mad at them. I'm just mad with the issue. How do you guys work through that?
3: Yeah. I think you start with just being honest about what you're feeling. Right, so okay. so like for example, like I, I've had this before, where maybe like with a staff member, right? Something's not going right, and, and and I sit down, I'm like, hey, I'm feeling this. It feels like you're checked out. It feels like you're, you know, you're passive aggressive. It feels like you, you know, you're in a bad spot. Am I judging that correctly or not? So it's just like getting it out. Like this is what I'm feeling. It may may or may not be right. Like, and I think understanding yourself around how you process. Are you an external processor, or internal processor? You're an internal processor. You know, hey, I'm feeling something. Why don't you take some time to process it and let's come back and talk about it? Yeah. Or if you're an external processor, giving that person the space to kind of flounder around a little bit and and, and maybe you know stammer around and it's not all clean and clear. Again, we're not competing. This isn't court. We're not in court yeah. trying to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is like two people working on a problem. We're not. This isn't right. you know a, a jury and judge. Right. This is us like trying to figure it. So sometimes you got to flounder around. And just talk about this is what I'm feeling. What are you feeling? And I feel something different. But I think the first step is defining what, yeah. what is the what is the problem we're trying to solve here. Yeah.
1: Because
3: that's going to affect where we put our time, energy, and money, and what we do. Do we need to get help here? Do yeah. we do we have the resources to figure this out? But but don't wait until you've got it perfectly neat before you start dealing with it. You yeah. know, I say it's like it's like cancer, right? Like early detection. Like yeah. let, let's not wait until it's like. Right. I'm a stubborn guy, never going to the doctor. Right. No, man, when I start going, dude, like my shoulder hurts, I'm going to the doctor. I want, I want to right. find out what is going on so we can get to it as early as possible. Sometimes it just starts with conversations about feelings and getting aligned. That's good.
2: And the whole culture that you create in your marriage on a whole, where it's like before any argument ever stop, a starts or whatever, that that you guys always look at everything as, Let's tackle problems together instead of, like he said, arguing in a court of law, right? It's like my goal when I come to this argument is, or to this conflict, I should say, is that I want to win the argument. It's about me, that it's about winning, that it's about getting what I want. That's a completely different set of motives than if I go, I'm going to come to a conflict and you and I are going to be on the same team and we're going to look at this thing together and figure it out. You know, it, it... takes us from being in this face-off to being on a team. And and I think we always have to check with God before we head into any conflict and check our motives, right, and check our heart at the door. And that's each person's responsibility. And you have to kind of keep doing that throughout the course of the disagreement as well, that if I feel that welling up in myself that I'm like, I'm just about to make my point that nails you to the wall. (laughs) Well, did I come to this because I wanted to nail him to the wall or did I come yeah. to this because I actually wanted this to get better?
3: Yeah, that's
0: good. And it that's takes good. us
2: being on the same team and like us sitting like this and there's the right. problem looking at it instead of me going, you that's right. do problem blah. blah, blah. That's
0: good. That. That's good. And what I hear you saying is you clarify expectations when you go in. So there's no unconscious, unspoken, unrealistic expectations when you you, you begin to tackle a conflict and look at it, that you're, you're sharing those and get that out in the open so that there's, at least for me, I think that's uh, my friend Zach shared with me, you know, the those expectations when they're unspoken, unconscious, unrealistic, and uh, yeah, maybe not agreed upon. Those just seem to be a lot of the areas that at least I know in my life and mission and work and marriage, that's where the conflict arises. So yeah. anyway.
2: I think it comes back to what Greg said a few minutes ago. That we do say this all the time in, in our marriage and in the organization that a problem undefined is undefeated. Yeah, that's good. You know what it actually is. You will never conquer it. You can't wrestle in a... You know, can't wrestle a ghost to the ground.
0: So. No, that's good. That's good. Well, hey, I want to move into a subject that we don't necessarily talk a whole lot uh, about in the church, um, and that is the importance of a healthy um Sexual life in marriage. I think, uh, at least, I grew up in the church. It was something that you know we didn't necessarily talk about, but we we know the culture is talking about it. And if we're not talking about it in the church, I think we take our cues from the world, which are not necessarily where we want to take our cues for. And so, as pastors and leaders, um, how have you addressed and how do you help and lead people to to see the importance of a healthy sexual life in their marriage?
3: Yeah, that's no, a, it's a great point. You know, I think, I think it's um, obviously when we think about sex, right. And the whole purpose and point of why God created created it is to lead toward intimacy. Right. I think one, I think there's probably a lot of reasons that it doesn't get talked about a whole lot within the church. I think some of it is because it is intimate, right. There are things that uh, are related to the sex life of every marriage, you know, Shaylin and I, that I don't, want to talk about with everybody. I, it's not everybody's, for sure. For sure. but at the same time, it's probably the most relevant topic in the world because it's something that every single person is walking through and dealing with, you know, yeah. and, um, and the whole spectrum and it's, and it can be embarrassing to talk about, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I have people come, you know, when they're asking for help and they're going, yeah. I mean, everything, you know, to come into somebody and say, you know, I want to do some things in the bedroom and my wife doesn't. Yeah. who do you go to for that? Right. Yeah. And, and to have those conversations, you're kind of laying yourself open, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's a, it's an important conversation. Um, I think when you, when you really look at, you know, sex and the way that God has intended it, the whole, the whole point is like sort of this pathway to intimacy, right? It starts with trust. When you, when you, when you develop trust, then you develop openness, develop openness, you develop, intimacy and then from intimacy you get all the benefits of intimacy the warmth being known the safety the security all of those things I think anytime that's violated in any way whether it's the big huge moral failure type thing or just in some way like I don't trust this person anymore for one reason or another and it might it may not it may have nothing to do with sexuality it might have to do with you 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 weren't honest with me yeah. Or I, I think you care more about the church than you do me. Mm. I think you care more about your image than you do about how our marriage really is. Wow. You know, whatever that might be, right. You used to, in some way you lose the trust of the other person. I think you care more about the kids than you care about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could go, yeah. I could keep going on, but in some way that trust is violated, what happens is that person closes up, Yeah. close up. Then even if you're having sex, they go, I'll give you what you want to give, give me what right. i want right it's still not intimacy it's still hollow it's still empty and you know the reality is like it's intimacy doesn't happen just because of proximity it happens hmm. because of intentionality that's good proximity you can be in the same bed and be miles apart yeah. you can be around each other every day all the time and not be any closer you can actually be coming further and further away it happens from intentionality of going we're going to continue to fight for trust and in that, continue to fight for openness, and then we get all the benefits of that. And then from there, you know, you're looking and going, okay, we, we have these different desires sexually. Some people are more adventurous than other people, whatever that looks like. We can figure all that out when we're open, right? That's good. And, and that's the thing about sexuality is it, it has a tendency that you can either really open yourself up and be generous. It can make you extremely generous or extremely selfish. Hmm. What am I getting? Am I getting pleased? Yeah, And, and, you know, with two people focusing on the other one's needs, yeah, you know, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, all of that heart, soul, mind, strength, na- you know, coming together, if I'm focused on that other person's needs, it's going to create more intimacy. If not, it creates more selfishness and then it's, we're takers.
0: Yeah. That's good. Good word. And, um, you know, I think it's, as we grow in the missionaries that we've seen, um, it, there's a hesitancy to talk about as you very adequately outlined is it is intimate. There is not something you just want to burst out and talk to to anybody in any place. At the same time, I've seen that if it's not talked about in the early phases where there is a struggle, then it grows to something. And as you shared, you think, uh, ah, there's missionaries, there's no way missionaries could, but I've, you know, I've worked with people that they, they came to the field and they loved their husband or they loved their wife. And then they ended up, loving somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife in the process. And, and that's, I think, my passion for that is we do have to have someone that we can talk with. And It's not with everyone. It's not with the whole world. But there has to be some place that we can have when we're struggling in this area of sexual health um, that there's someone that we can reach out and talk to and um, someone that we can trust. And I think it's, it's super valuable.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, th- think about what, what we just talked about before this, right? Conflict, problem yeah. solving. Yeah. Right. So, what happens a lot in a marriage? Your 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 lives are so overlapped, and we're living together. We're doing all these things together. And when we're not solving problems, and when we're we're not having the conflicts we need to have, we don't get to that better place. So yeah. we do lose trust. Yeah. And then, of course, somebody over here, um, you know, they gain our trust in some way. We start being open with right. them. The next thing you know, intimacy, sexual intimacy, is a piece of cake because we've yeah. already. Yeah, we've already established trust and openness. You know what I mean. So I think like these things we we talked about as much as conflict is like, oh, this is something we have to do. No, see, it is a way of reestablishing and building deeper levels of trust. If you've ever walked out of a great conflict and and had that like, it's like it's awesome. Like you know, it is a real way to bond if you do it the right way. And you really we're really fighting for each other. We're staying here. We we when we get through that, now we've we now have this new strength in our, in our relationship and this new level of trust that, that makes us less vulnerable. I was talking to somebody the other day who was, they were talking about a pastor that had a moral failure and how afraid they were that they were going to and the need for accountability. And I'm, I think accountability is fine, but dude, if I can cheat on my wife, I can lie to my accountability partner. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, very like, very true. Very, I'm going to cheat true. on her and I'm going to tell him the truth. I mean, maybe, right. maybe not. Right. But, but end of the day, if you want to if you want to safeguard your marriage, it's not necessarily going to be your accountability part. It's going to be having a great marriage.
2: Yeah, That's that, that's,
3: that's the safeguard that's is true. that we have a great marriage that we have. We're not giving each other leftover energy after we yeah. met everybody else's needs. You had this thing one time. I, I remember Shaylin wanted, you know, I was so tired. She wanted to talk about some things. And to me, as she was talking about it, I'm thinking that really sounds like something that you ought to talk to another woman about because it just feels like, you guys would be able to, you know, and, and but the reality is I was tired. I, I was, you know, and so I kind of said, Hey, maybe you got a female friend that you could talk to about this. And so she did, but I kind of, I heard her feelings, you know, mm. because it was like, dude, I, I came to you with this nice. and you didn't really have it for me. Well, then a few days later, I've got a person in the church I'm counseling and she's sharing stuff. And and I felt the same thing. I'm like, why don't you go talk to your female friend about this? Like, I didn't have it. But you know what I did was I stayed with her and I listened to her and I did whatever. I walked out of there and I went, man, that, that is messed up. You know, like I, I'm giving so much to everybody else. And my wife, who I really made vows to, who really needed me to have enough energy and margin emotionally hmm. to be able to give her what she needed. I didn't because I was giving to so many other people. And I was like, even from that moment on, I started really shifting. The appointments I take, the things I say no to, so that I have plenty to, yeah. able to come back. I think you you have a marriage that, you know, I'm you know, you don't go on the mission field because because you know you're a hard-hearted person. I mean, it's right. it's amazing yeah. people that are going on the mission field. They're going, they they want to help people, right? They want to change lives, they want to see right. the Great Commission advance. And so they're givers. So you get out there and you can give, 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 and then you come back, your marriage has nothing. So at some point you have to go, you know what? I know you're a worthy person, but I'm going to have to say, no, I can't do this. If I do like learning to say no is huge.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, I'm a nurse practitioner and specialize in skin and dermatology. And so, my wife, you know, my kids still have some skin problem. My wife will have some skin problem, and I'll look at it and say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, no, I want you to treat me like a patient that came in is paying you $250 for your consultation. Now, that's how I want to be treated. I don't want the the, the three second quick, yeah, yeah, here's some cream, it'll be taken care of. No, I want you to give me the full consultation like you would give a patient. And uh, it is, that's man, it, it's a, it's a valid point and um, she's right and I, I need to, but you know, at the end of the day, once you've seen 30 other people, you, it's what you have left in the tank and sometimes that's mm-hmm. not not the, the most vital part or the best. So Shaylin, um one last question uh, I wanted to ask you and Greg, you mentioned in the introduction that um, you have two boys that are on the autistic um, spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know how does that impact a marriage? And, and I'm sure there's some very positive parts of that and maybe there's some more challenging parts of that. Would you just be open, um, and you and Greg just to share a little bit about that? Cause I think it's something that would really encourage our listeners.
2: Yeah, it, it definitely affects you. Um, having, having a kid with special needs of some kind, you know, any kind of disability is, uh, it adds a whole other, level to parenting right it's a it's a completely different animal uh raising kids is hard enough and um and then that's like you know we we jokingly say it's like having like two and a half kids per kid you know because you have all these extra kids um for example for our boys uh thankfully our older one understands this now but our youngest doesn't really have a sense of safety and danger and so he would just wander out of the house and um just go wander off into the neighborhood or um you know our youngest is almost six and still not potty trained um six seems to be the magic number we're hoping that you know that's when his brother potty trained so we're hoping for that but i i've been changing diapers for 12 straight years um so it is a very it, it adds just different elements to your life right now like you said before there are also just some incredibly rewarding things um every milestone that you experience with your child is just that much of a bigger deal. You know, when they start talking or when you start getting um, sentence responses for them or you get hugs and kisses, it's like, ah, you know, you, your first memory verse that you memorize is like a three day celebration because that, that was just so much more of a long awaited thing or some of those things you don't know if you'll ever get. Um, so regardless of, of the type of either physical or mental disability, it definitely adds a different element to your family unit. And so a different pressure on your marriage. Um, I would say for us, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a unique situation to have two children in your family that have an issue like that. Um, when our son Hudson was diagnosed, that one was actually a harder hit for me, uh, which Hudson is our oldest. So that first one, um, I think he was more honest with himself about signs and symptoms than I was in the beginning. I was like, you know, boys develop different than girls. Yes. He's taking longer than our daughter, but you know, there were, I could see reasons for it. And, and, um, he was actually diagnosed officially the day before I gave birth to our our second son. Wow. So, I mean, you're talking about just this emotional, physical whirlwind that I was going through at that time. And so it was definitely harder on me. And he was kind of the rock that that carried me emotionally through a lot of that. And then the second time around, um, it, you know, it, you can go into it in a moment, but it, it was harder for him. The second time around, I felt like I, I know the path. I, I understand the educational implications now and all of the different things. I felt more ready. The second one didn't really impact me that much. I was like, all right, cool. I got the tools. I can do this. But it was a very different emotional experience for him. And so the shoe was kind of on the other foot and I needed to be there to be more supportive for him. So I would say um, grace is probably one of the biggest things because you are going to experience uh different emotions and not all of it is positive and you're going to experience it in different ways you're going to process your feelings in different ways your pain in different ways uh your worry in different ways and so making allowances for each other in that way and not assuming that you're going to be feeling the same things in real time that's good Um, you know one one person may be more healed in one area in the in the acceptance of it or whatever in different things than the other one may be struggling with a different area of it more than another um and so and and also just the relationships are different between dads and their kids and moms and their kids right so um I think just really choosing to uh to not look at it through your own lens but to just go this is this is a totally different experience. Yes, it's the same kid, but it's the totally different parenting experience for my spouse than it is for me. And so I need to just be an open space where we can really have the safety to say anything we're feeling, and um, and hear each other out. I think that's super important. And I think uh, also making the time. You know, we already kind of talked about this earlier about giving of yourself all the time to people in the church or to whatever, you have to give so much of yourself for Mm -hmm. your children to be able to do well. Um, Mm -hmm. It is such a round the clock job um, when you have children with any kind of disability. And so making sure that you go, you know what, we're going to find an adequate babysitter that can care for them. We're going to make it a priority that we make time for each other every single week or every, you know, we have these getaways without a child, without children or whatever. Find the things in your life that are going to give margin for your marriage because it's under that much more pressure. Um, And you will crack, you will crack if you don't make it a priority. It's just, it's that much more weight on the foundation. So the foundation has to be that much more solid.
0: It's good. It's a good. I word. Not,
2: I'm sorry. I don't know.
0: Excellent. Don't Excellent. No, you did great. You spoke from the heart. You spoke from the heart and uh, that's, that's what speaks to us, Greg.
3: Yeah. Um, two, two pieces of advice. So, so the first, um, we had a guy in our church who had an adult special needs child um, son who I kind of turned to when, when, especially when our second son was autistic. Cause well, one of the things the guy said to me was, he said, "Greg, you have to mourn the son you thought you were going to have, so you can accept your son for who he is." And I, I would have never thought of that myself. I would have never thought of mourning someone who's alive. But in essence, what he was saying is, you have to mourn what you thought the relationship was going to be. That
2: you would have,
3: yes. Yeah, and so I did, um, and I did that with Hudson. And we thought we were done after our first, uh, after our second child. And then we end up having a third child. So it was kind of resurrected again. We find out we're having a son. I'm thinking, okay, so we have this special needs son. Then I'm going to have this other son that, you know, I'll have maybe the traditional relationship and all this. So I kind of resurrected the dream and then I had to mourn it twice. So it was really the second time that, that really hit me the hardest. But that, that advice was really helpful because even, even though I had to kind of mourn twice, it helped me to be able to move me on and to accept this new thing. And then the scripture that, for me has just been life is is Ephesians 3 20 that, you know, to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above what we would ask or think. We think of that verse, we tend to preach that verse and immediately violate it. Right. We, we go like, yeah, it's a, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above what we would ask. Then we ask for something that we just thought of. You, you know <laughs> what I mean? it's, it's like, no, it's the thing you didn't think of yeah. and wouldn't have asked for. It. And to me, that's what really came alive with this. Like I wouldn't I never thought about having special needs kids. I never thought about that situation. I definitely wouldn't have asked for it. Um but the question is, do I believe is it's exceeding abundantly above? That's the hmm. question. Hmm. And that's where the Lord has brought me many, many times and over and over again of like, Greg, I can do more with this. Hmm. I can do more in this situation. Like your your boys and where they're at. Can I can use them in greater ways with with autism than you could if they were scholars, if they were, yeah. you know, level five leaders, if they were whatever, right? And, and I think that's where, you know, practicing what we preach about really trusting God. Because that was my fear. I'm like, man, I want my kids to exceed me, you know? Like, I want my ceiling to be their floor and all of that. And so I was feeling like, man, that's just, you know, it's not going to happen. And God's like, you think I can't exceed?
0: Yeah, it's good. It's a good word good word. Good word. Well, Greg and Shailen, I appreciate you spending some time with me today. And um, we normally end the podcast in prayer. So would e- either you or both of you would like to to pray for us and pray that God will use the wisdom and insight that you've shared with us. And so it's not just head knowledge, but things that we'll put into action in our marriages. And um, as you shared practically, it, it's here at the end with parenting our, parenting our kids. Would you pray for us?
2: You got it. Right yeah, right. yep. right. lord thank you so much for the opportunity to get together to, with Aaron today and to have this conversation and lord I, I thank you for the safety of the the relationship within the body of christ that we can be honest with each other and we can share the things that will help us all grow and develop in our relationship with you and and in our relationship with each other uh, Lord, for every person that has listened to this today and, and maybe their marriage is struggling and they're in a difficult time, I just ask that you would speak directly to their hearts. I ask that the Holy Spirit would begin moving within their marriages and bringing about healing and, and clarity on what are the actual issues, that they would begin to trust one another and that they would begin to be open with one another. and. Uh, that they would have the opportunity to find the the true joy and the healing and the blessing that you have planned for their marriage, that you want for them, Lord. And so I just ask that you would help them even today, that today would be the beginning of a turning point and they could look back at this moment and, and see that this was the time that you began to bring in a whole new season in their relationship. And, Lord, I, I just ask that you would help each of us to continue to be not just open and honest with each other, but more so in our relationship with you, that we would allow you in to change our hearts and to grow us and develop us and help us to see the areas that need to be changed and, and to be willing to allow you to touch those areas that are maybe sensitive and raw or uh, traumatized or, or secret in our hearts, God, and that you would help us to develop past those things.
3: Lord, we thank you that marriage is an opportunity for us to catch a glimpse of the gospel. Lord, that you forsake all others for us and that you died for our sin. You left the 99 for the one and, and that you don't leave us or forsake us. And so we thank you for that great opportunity. Lord, help us within our marriages to be full of grace and truth. Help us to walk through conflict gracefully and be able to problem solve. And Lord, even through the power of your spirit, to help us to see issues more clearly than we would in our flesh. So, Lord, you know the people listening to this, Lord, and the work they're doing and their hearts and their desire to, to honor you and please you with their lives. And, and so, God, I pray you would just um, uh, be with them and strengthen them and speak to them clearly uh, through this, Lord, and, and, and everything they do moving forward. And thank you. Thank you for Aaron, Lord, and his ministry and his life, and just even the opportunity to have this moment together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.